0: going it's early how are you i'm uh, i'm all right i'm here i'm I'm only a little bit late and i'm just uh pouring my coffee into my ember mug and
1: spilling a little bit of it
0: and getting off mic here but uh, yeah i'm ready to ready
1: to go ready to rock well i'm i'm also drinking out of my ember mug so this uh this episode's brought to you by ember (laughs) um the uh people that uh, keep uh keep drinks in uh warm in your podcasting mugs um, I'm, I'm at home. This is the first time I've, I've podcasted at home in a while.
0: Huh? Yeah. Well, as you can probably tell, I, I don't know. Can you tell that
1: I'm at home? Do you hear? Bianca I knew, the I background? know you're, I can tell, <laughs> I can tell. Um, so I have, um, the reason the listeners might be interested why I'm at home. I, uh, I've got leadership camp this afternoon. Um, or this more, later this morning. So I'm, I, which is what I describe how I describe it to everybody who I talk to. Um, but uh, I, I I like to do it at home because there's no there's no distractions other than the the leading learning that I'm getting, the how to how to be a good leader. Um, so <laughs> hey, hey.
0: are you sure there's
1: no distractions? There's there's sometimes there's kids, there's a spouse, That's there's a dog. There's definitely I a mean, the dog. Well, yeah. and and actually. There is a kid distraction currently because he is, um, he's on fall break, which is, we didn't, we didn't do, uh, I'm not familiar with fall break from my youth. No, Um, me neither. We
0: have, uh, you you have, uh, thanks. You have Labor Day and then you have uh, American Thanksgiving
1: as we always call it in this country. Right. American Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. As, as it's all, it's referred to in all of the Americas uh, as, as American Thanksgiving. And it's, it's it's a long haul from Labor Day to, to uh, American Thanksgiving. If you don't take uh, um, Canadian Thanksgiving, which is uh, right in the middle of, of that, well, it's actually it's it's next next week. It'll we, this this. Wait a minute, podcast. are you? Is your kid is your kid getting days off for Canadian Thanksgiving? He, he might actually be. He, he goes to a school where they they he has a two week. Um, he's off for two weeks. Right now, that's like insane. It, it is insane. Um, wait, but but he so so, so he he start. Wait, oh, but he started before labor. Did. He started yeah. in July. Oh, oh. Well before Liberty. July. Whole, yeah, I Who know. goes see, to school in July. That's right.
0: God yeah, he absolutely need, He needs three he weeks needs a break. man.
1: break. He needs a break right now. He does <laughs> he, yeah. needs a, he needs a summer vacation because he didn't get one. He started school in July. Right, well he he ended school in in May, so he had he had June and July off and then at the end of July he went back to school and then uh and, and then he goes then he, he, he gets uh, two weeks now and then he goes until the the uh, Christmas holidays, and he gets like two and a half weeks then. So, but anyway, he's wow. here. I just had to Facetime him um, from my phone before you you got on because uh, he's in the room next to me, and he is he is on Discord with his friends playing Minecraft. Um, and so he's got a podcast. I, keep keep I, it down. <laughs> right, right. I I, I Facetime him, and you know, with my my microphone, my headphones on. And he looked at me and goes, What are you doing? And I said, It's your favorite podcaster, calling. You're gonna have to stop screaming. <laughs> he said, Okay, all right, dad. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm his favorite podcaster, but I'm the I'm the only podcaster. How many, how there. many other ones does he know? Well, he you know, he listens to he he um he consumes a lot of podcasts because he's in the car with us consuming podcasts. So I think he does actually have favorite podcasts. He's a fan of um, a couple of a couple of shows that um, that our our friends and other people talk about. He really likes strong songs. So, um, have you hmm. listened to that? Do you are you aware of this? I'm I'm aware, of it, but I have not listened to it.
0: I think I think Merlin and Alex talk about it.
1: Yeah, Merlin and Alex talk about it. I really like it. It's uh, it's a cool. Uh, I can't remember what the guy's name is who does it, but it is. He just he breaks down a song. And there are always good songs, I'm which is right different now.
0: from Song Exploder, which I've it also is. heard about.
1: Yeah, and actually, Kirk Hamilton, um, I prefer strong songs because it, I don't. I don't actually know what Kirk's background is. I just know him as a as a personality. I want to imagine that he's a music teacher. I don't, okay. I don't know that to be true. I just, but I that's want, what it
0: seems like to you. Yeah. yeah,
1: because he's got all these instruments in his in his podcasting studio or in his home or in his office or wherever he does this and he recreates the parts on these songs which is part of the mystique of the show because I, i play i play zero instruments don i i've never i mean i i i took a band class in um seventh and eighth grade where i um at one point played a baritone tuba at another point played the percussion which was really just the drum pad because there were we didn't have drums like so I, I I would I don't know I I don't know how to play instruments I really love music and and so I have a at least one child I mean I have two 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 kids uh, two that I'm that, that I know of um, one who's really into music who plays bass guitar and electric guitar and drums and keyboard and the other one. Sam um who really is into podcasts about music who has has picked up um uh, an electric guitar uh, a number of times over the last year and has played keyboards Well, they've they've jammed a little bit um in the room which I think is like an old term I don't know if people still use that word uh that that's what I would call it because that's what I, I think people call it they get together in the jam they're just just jamming man um but i'm'm I'm, I'm in awe because they both, no like I I like to consume music they like they have figured out via YouTube and then now uh Jack takes multiple courses in music in, in school um but they know they actually know how to play music and figure stuff out it's really it's very interesting to me did your do your kids play music at all?
0: So my, my younger son took uh, guitar lessons for a long time. Um, I don't know uh, the extent to which he plays anymore. Um, And yeah, and I, I tried to learn to play guitar as a kid and just didn't have the coordination or the discipline. Um, And my older son is not again, both of them, all of us really like listening to music. Uh, But my I don't think my older son ever, ever played an instrument. So but yeah, so just to just to close the loop, so I've never listened to an episode of Strong Songs. I've listened to exactly one episode of Song Exploder, and that is episode twenty-eight, uh, called the Com- which is about the Commander Thinks Aloud, uh, which is the Long Winter's John Roderick Long Winter's song about the Space Shuttle Columbia. So, which is a, a great song and a great episode of Song Exploder.
1: Great, great, yeah, great song for sure. I will check that out. I uh, Song Exploder is a Podcast that I certainly subscribe to, and I don't know if I've ever listened to an episode of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. but I, if I could recommend um, a, a good place to start for strong songs, it would mm-hmm. be the episode on Space Oddity and Starman by David Bowie. Oh, yes, yeah. And the other one that I really like, um, and I'm not this, this is what's been great about listening to strong songs. I've been introduced to multiple, well, reintroduced to bands and songs that I know are bands and songs, but I never listened to. And then he, for an hour breaks down a song and I'm like, man, I should listen to more of this. And I, yeah, yeah, I had the same experience with Fleetwood Mac. He did an episode on the chain and dreams. Mm -hmm. And I like, I never, I was never really exposed to any Fleetwood Mac. My parents didn't listen to it. I'd Mm kind of miss the, I, I guess I'm in the the age range where they were not really popular anymore. Um, like I shouldn't say not popular. They were, they were like the Eagles where they're always popular, but none of the people that I was around were listening to them in my, in my group. So I, you know, now at 43 um, or maybe I this, I might've been 42 at the time when I listened to this episode, um, really discovered Fleetwood Mac. And uh-huh. I know that might sound, sound bizarre there because of this episode, I I now downloaded, you know, on Apple music. I've, I've probably got, you know, seven, six or seven Fleetwood Mac albums that'll come up in rotation, plus a couple of live albums. And it's really good. Like, turns out they're a great band. And so I, uh, but it's because the of the Eagles, strong songs, the, the, no, Fleetwood <laughs> Mac, the Eagles, I think still are terrible. Uh, well,
0: yeah. So I have to, I have to. The, oh, anytime I think about the Eagles now, of course I think about that wonderful scene from uh, Big Lebowski, which we will, we yeah. will. Uh, I have found we will link to in show notes.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, there's a um, my my children. So I've I've got some I've got some updates, some personal news. Mm-hmm. Um, Don, I went to a movie theater Whoa. for the first time, yeah, oh. in in eighteen months, and I saw uh, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings, oh. okay. which. Um, first of all might be my favorite Marvel movie wow Um, okay cool yeah it was it was amazing it was so good so 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 good but the thing that I so my movie theater experience um, it it was different obviously from from what I would have done before or even what I would have experienced before we went to a movie dawn at five o'clock on a Tuesday whoa nobody else in the theater
0: oh wow cool
1: well that's time to go it was amazing like we we because I could go online and pre-select seats which we we were doing before for big like movies you know like when the when Star Wars the the you know last three episodes of the not nine episode what non-equal I don't know what it's what, Mm. what they're called um, the, the, uh, the, last three episodes of that series, um, came out, we, we pre-selected seats because we wanted to be there on the day of, and, and you could yeah. only get seats. So, you know, the system has existed, but this is the first time that I actually went and looked for depopulated movie theaters and right, found right. one at a time where it was like, Hey, we don't have hockey. We don't have anything else. Um, the boys and I went and we, we had like, we ate popcorn for dinner mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and it sat in a movie theater by ourselves, which was like, fast, like fantastic. It was mm-hmm. glorious. Right. And, and it was great. It was, I I missed, I, I didn't like, I'm not, it's not like we go to a lot of movies, but I I, I really miss the feel of being at a movie, watching something that's really, really big. And mm-hmm. I loved it even more than I was the only person in there with my yeah. other kids, with my, yeah, oh, my yeah. two kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, so your, your other kid, you didn't bring your other kids. You no, I didn't bring my friends. other kids. I brought the two main kids. I didn't, yeah, I didn't bring the other kid. Uh, but it was so anyway. Um, the reason why I was telling you this is that there's a, a an Eagles reference. Hotel California comes up in, oh, in, in it. So cool, yeah. cool. But yeah, but it, it's a great. It, it was a great movie. Um, cool. Yeah, and we 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 we've talked to you know you, you guys are kind of in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The. Um, world right like it's
0: not yeah weird weirdly my wife has watched more than I have mostly because if I'm on an airplane I'm probably working and and she is uh watching movies and so yeah and so and I but I'll watch any of them I told her I said like, you just we can watch anyone just you tell me which one you want to watch and we'll put it on and I'll, I'll watch it because yeah, it's fine I mean I like I I know Shang-Chi from the comic books because I was you know quite Quite into collecting uh, comics as a kid. I think that's come up before on the podcast. Um, that. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. You know, I mean, the movies are like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. I'm not. It's not. You know, it's fine. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> just watch well, The Big Lebowski. Right, right, right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, this one was. Um, well, wow. they're they're all. I, I have bought into the entire universe narrative, mm-hmm. and and I think it's what I've enjoyed about how the Star Wars universe has evolved and the, you know, fun of the Mandalorian and, um, and some of the more, you know, exciting newer Disney plus things that are going to come out in the next year. It's because, you know, there's, there's callbacks to things when in, in, when it's certainly in the Marvel cinematic universe, there's callbacks to things in earlier, you know, one of the earlier 24 movies or whatever it is. And they're and, and my, uh, Sam, my, my youngest kid is, is really into it. Like he, he's all, he's watching, um youtube videos about spoilers and end credit scenes and mid credit scenes and here you know here's a thing that you should think about and i know we've talked a little bit about this as related to some of the series that have come out on on disney but he he's so like he's he's 11 he gets so excited when he's got something in a movie that neither jack nor i have and then the entire time on the way home he's like oh you didn't see this but in this in this scene this happened. And that is like a callback to Iron Man 2 when, you know, um, oh, wow. you know Tony, Mark, Tony Tony Stark said this thing. And I was like, how do you know this? And he goes, I watched it on YouTube and it was there. I loved it. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah, right. mostly the
0: way that I experience movies these days is They will um, review uh, movies on uh, Chapo Trap House, which is a a podcast that I listen to. And the latest one that they reviewed, based on their review, it might be worth watching for pure comedic value. And that is the Clint Eastwood uh, movie called Cry Macho, uh, which apparently uh, is not a comedy, but which they found hilarious.
1: (laughs) I am not, is this a, is this a current? Yeah, yeah, it just came out. Mm Eastwood. It was
0: released theatrically in the U.S. on September 17th uh, of oh, this of uh, this year. Uh, it underperformed at the box office, uh, and uh, yeah, it received uh, oh, criticism.
1: Did it ever? Uh, oh no, that's the budget I'm looking at. I looked at 33 million dollars. I was like, oh, that's yeah, not- but it only only made 9.9. So. Oh, look at that. Okay, I'll I'll check it out. I like that in Google when you when you Google Clint Eastwood Cry macho the picture of Clint Eastwood in the cast is like Clint Eastwood from like, you know, 1958, you know, they're, well, they're, yeah. Yeah.
0: That, a, that's sort of a running bit is like, he's a 91 year old man playing a man that is probably not supposed to be 91 years old or does he does things that no 91 year old man would, would ever do. So anyway,
1: well, here, here we go. I I'm going to read the summary cause I'm, I'm taken aback <laughs> by it. A one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder in 1978 takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the young man's son home and away from his alcoholic mom. Uh, mom, sorry, it's it's M U M, so it's, must be it must be coming from Britain. Um, crossing rural Mexico. Oh no, sorry, through me for a loop. Uh, crossing rural Mexico on their way back to Texas, the unlikely pair faces an unexpectedly challenging journey during which the world-weary horseman may find his own sense of redemption through teaching the boy what it meant to be a good man. That does not sound some, like something I would want to watch. <laughs> but for... <laughs> well, I, would, I, would,
0: I don't remember whether it's a, one of, one of the, the free episodes of Chapo or one of the ones you have to pay for, but anyway, their review of it was delightful.
1: Uh, well, it, you know, it's, it's based on a novel um, by it Richard Na- A. Richard Nash, who also wrote The Rainmaker. I know that just because it says it on the picture, uh, in Wikipedia. Um, and the rainmaker, I, I feel like I, that was turned into a movie as well. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, so we, uh, I don't know. I, 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 just started, I just started talking about things that, uh, that, that are going on in my, in my weird little life right now. Um, oh wait, so I want to hear more about leadership school though. Oh yeah. You. Yeah. That was, that's what I was going to tell you about. So, yeah. so leadership school. So, I, I'm we we might have talked about this in the in in an earlier episode. I don't. I can't remember. But I I've been partaking, uh, not partaking. I've been I've been a student in a class called Lead Twenty One. Um, and Lead Twenty One. Uh, we'll we'll link to this in show notes. It is um, leadership for the 21st century. Uh, but it is a, a specific. Class uh, that is uh, developed by and supported by USDA NIFA, who you and I know as as the great people that fund um, portions of our salary as well as um, many of the things that we that we do in the world of food safety. Um, it's the arm of. Uh, USCA, the National Institutes of Food and Agriculture that that support um, the, the the Cooperative Extension program, as well as the uh, m- much of the competitive research in in all I guess you know all areas of agriculture um, and food systems and youth development um, that are associated with land grants. And so this leadership course is there's a lot of us. There's I think like eighty plus individuals from all different land-grant institutions all throughout the U.S. And so um, th- these are land-grant institutions or those um, e- e- school, you know, new listeners to the show know that Don and I are at, and um, I'm at NC State University, he's not at Rutgers, and, and we, we are both at land-grant universities that were formed as part of a network of schools to, to really take... Technology, engineering, um, and uh, to rural parts and farm and agricultural communities in the U.S. like well, well over a hundred years ago, um, and and but remain as these you know state and federally supported schools um, to to do um, you know uh, research, teaching, extension uh, in in food and, and agriculture. And life sciences, and lots of other other things that are adjacent to that. Anyway, there is a leadership, which which I refer to as leadership camp, um, I, I, like kind of as a joke, uh, because my my experience is in any sort of leadership training up until about. Um, you know 5 months ago was I went to leadership camp when I was in high school which was l- literally a king up where where they made leaders of uh, of the next generation uh um, they made leaders out of you whether you wanted to or not right right but but this has been really it's it's been good it's I I've jumped into it and um and you and I talked a, a while ago about our 34 things which is the mm-hmm. the um the code that we use for um, uh something called strength finders where uh you know people can can take a quiz and it tells you whether you're good at woo um which is winning people over or winning others over um or if yeah i, I was gonna open. i couldn't remember what woo meant I, but it was i knew it was something winning
0: others over and you and, and just over. for the record you're good you have high woo and i
1: don't i think we've decided right 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 right, right. i'm i am i'm high at woo um not and and i want it to be like, I, I want it to be related to to like John Woo movies. It's like, not it's not at all. Like, I because I really enjoy his the like him as a director and a and a screenwriter. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so from a from a, a, a leadership standpoint, what this is all about it's 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 kind of bringing together people that are I guess selected by their institutions and sponsored. Who who are different, um, different stages of their careers. Different. It's not. It's not all like you know. Everybody who who comes to this is is a you know someone who's going to be a department head or is a department head or is a dean. There there are directors of extension that are that are part of this. Um, there are uh, or, or directors of, of programs um, in uh, in various capacities at, at land grant institutions. But there's also. Um, assistant and associate professors who are doing work in you know specific disciplines who just might be interested in 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 this as a as professional development there are extension agents there are our county extension directors um there there you know there's lots of different people from lots of different um uh, job titles and responsibilities and stages of career in land-grant universities and
0: yeah and i yeah. i <clears throat> And if you are listening to this and you are at a land grant institution, um, you can apply. uh, for class 18 uh because the portal is i don't know when class 18 <laughs> will be but the portal is open until november 30th so i could theoretically apply my my general feeling having done a bunch of things like this is this these things are fun but they're kind of a lot of nonsense or they're they're a blend of useful things things you already know and stuff that's absolute nonsense i mean i for example i did uh wood badge which anybody who's uh uh uh, scouter involved in, uh, uh, Boy Scouts knows what that is. It's, it's Boy Scouts leadership camp basically. And there is literal camping involved. If it's the Boy Scouts. Um, and it was fun and it was good. And I'm glad I did it. And I would, I would do it. I don't know if I would do it again. I would, I would, I, I would, I, I recommend it as a, as a good thing to do, but it's, uh, I don't know. There's, like I said, there's an equal, equal mix of, of nonsense and valuable things. And I don't, I just got too much to do, Ben. I don't have time to learn how to be a leader. I'm just too busy leading, you know, right. that's what I say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, why? Right, right, right. Well, and I'm, I, so I, I have, uh, I, th- I might've mentioned this last time around cause there, there are three sessions for mm-hmm. this and, um, and we, you know, we, we, there's friends of the show that are uh, graduates of the, um uh you know class class uh including renee boyer um who we know from uh from virginia tech does some some really good food and is chef. she is
0: she is she leading something he's a leader now a department yeah She's yeah. A
1: department. yeah and manpreet singh um, uh yes. university of georgia yeah also a graduate of lead 21 also uh a department head uh In- now. interim. intro no i think it's, I think it's oh, is, it, is it real it's real i think we're yeah. Yep. No, that's so I, weird though
0: because he's the department chair of food science, but he's in the poultry science department. I think he is no longer in the poultry
1: science. Department. Is that true? Oh, wow. Okay. I, yeah. I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these things are complicated. Maybe that's still his tenure home, which is which only means something to about nine people. Uh, and we would listen to this. Um so,
0: so boy, Manpreet Singh is a is not a, an uncommon name. Or it is yeah, it is a it is a, it is a is a it's quite a common name. It's a it's, you have to type a lot of extra words before you find Manpreet saying it.
1: Georgia. Sing. I like, Manpreet I like saying yes. food, Georgia, and then you get, it gets you there. I like, I like him. Even if you misspell um, Georgia. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. I just put UGA most of the time. Um, that works. That works. So, so the. Yeah, look at that. He's a department head too. He's not a yes. chair. He's a head like you. Like me. Depart- yeah. So, so what has been, what I, the, this is the second session of three for lead 21 that I'm, that I'm in the -hmm. first session was in June and, and it was at a time that that came up where I was in the midst of applying to be department head. Uh So, and, and so that, that, that all panned out, um, you know, successfully for me. Uh, But you'd be going to
0: leadership camp
1: anyway. Right, right, right. But I, but it was, it put a different view on what I, you know, if I was leading my, the, the safe plates program, or if I was thinking about leading something else, I, not, it's a little more tangible as I've been thinking about it in, in ah, context mm-hmm. of my department. Um, so, and, and one of the things, and I'll, I'll call out another friend of the show who we mention all the time. And I know she got a um, she, she uh, uh, um, our, our friend Lynn, Linda Harris mentioned that she was visiting with somebody last week, who are friends of the show and said, "Oh yeah, we know you from from Food Safety Talk," uh, <laughs> which is which is great. Uh, yeah. But but um, Linda Linda um, has been such a great mentor and friend on so many different ways. But as I was thinking about applying for this and going through the process, um, I talked I talked to her quite a bit, and she said, "Have you have you ever taken any like leadership training or development?" And I was like, no. She's like, you should do that. But, and and so I I was in you know in the midst of just about to start, um, lead twenty one. I was like, you know, I I'm I'm signed up. I'm in. She's like, you know, her her message to me, and I'll I'll paraphrase it was, I, I wish I had done something like that before because there are things that 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 come up that I I didn't you know I wish I had 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 more tools to to help me with it instead of learning it on the job you know something something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so I I've gone into this process um, with a I, I, you know I, I think a healthy dose of skepticism, but also I'm I've been committed. Where if I'm if I'm in the class, if, if there's something that's due for the class, because you do things over the course of the year, then I'm I'm going to put my effort into it. It's not just trying to check a box. I'm going to be thoughtful um, and and dedicate the time. So I'm getting as much out of it as I can. And, and knowing like like you said, not everything's going to be for me and there there are going to be things that that come up that that I think are um, I don't know like just maybe not applicable or or maybe hokey or or whatever. but I want to make sure that I'm there for the things that I that I, I didn't anticipate were going to be for me and useful and and I you know I, I've said this on the, on this show I use this time with you as a therapy session um the unpaid for you. Um, and and also um, free for our listeners, where I get to just talk to you and work out things, whether it's you know professionally or personally. And and you and you listen, um, and you you probably check email or, or do things while I rant. Now mostly um,
0: just look look up pages for show notes. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to check email and
0: still stay engaged. It's a it's hard enough to be finding all the links for show notes and stay engaged, but uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and, it's. <laughs> So, so that, um, you know, I, I've kind of like used the lead 21 as another just, you know, secondary. Chance to check th- email? Yeah, free, no, free therapists. I'm okay. on the, while well, others are checking their email. I've actually done, I turned off my email and and chat and and uh, messages during oh, the class. Good for, you, good for you, how do you do that? I just, I mean, I just quit it. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, like I just turn it, I just turn it off. I didn't, I've not used the mute function for focus. I just turned the things off. That works. That works. Exit the program. Exit the program. Yeah. Quit the app. Uh, So, so it's anyway, because I I look at it and it's like, you know, it's a few hours. So today, yesterday it was from 11 until five today. It's 11 to five. Okay. If I, if I can focus for six hours and just, just think about this, maybe I'm going to get something out of it. And, oh, absolutely. And yeah. I and I did, I mean
0: to, I sort of, you know, I poke fun at it, but no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that like there's, it, well, here's the thing. Like, I'm sure that a course like that, there is value. I'm not sure that there's 11 to five value right. that entire time, but there's elements. And here's the thing, you can't, you don't, can't, you can't necessarily know what's going to have value. So you have to kind of be there for the whole 11 to five time to, to be
1: there for the, the hour or two that has value. Right. Right. Well, and the, so many people that I trust who I look to for, you know, guidance and help and just as a place to to ask questions and as colleagues and and all, you know, all of that, you know, beyond just um, just Manpreet and, and Renee have, have told me what a great experience it's been for them. So so I'm like, OK, well, I'm not if, I, I trust them like they're they they said it was good. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to commit to it and, and get as much out of it as I can. So, well, like a
0: related thing. So I signed up for a webinar yesterday uh, from a company called EAB that was through uh, the uh, School of Graduate Studies, where I am a graduate program director um, called Attracting Tomorrow's Adult Student. And it was, it, it was the kind of thing where I could do email while I listened, in as you know, I had a minim, minimized Zoom window. But I occasionally they would say something important, and I would pop over and I would do a screen capture of the slide because they're they really they had, did have some good insights as to what is happening in terms of uh, enrollments and and what you need to do. It turns out, Ben, um, today's uh, uh, adult student, today's today's tomorrow's uh, uh, graduate Old leaders. Student, um, yeah. it, well, they, they but they're picky. And they 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 shop online and they they look at a lot of different websites and and if it doesn't load within a few seconds they're on to the next one and so yeah. what I, one thing I learned is your website better load damn quick right um, and they 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 want interaction with you and uh, yeah and they'll they'll look at forty programs before they'll apply to two so it it is it was I mean it was some of it was nonsense but um and, and, but but it really was very interesting to sort of think about okay who are the people out there that are looking at graduate schools today and if you want to capture them what would you have to do differently maybe than what you were already doing
1: well, that's yeah see and uh, like that kind of thing you know uh, as as i try to learn what this job of of department heads like is something that i would not have thought about before right like you know, the behind the scenes of a graduate program, well, it all just runs. Graduate students come in, we teach them, give them some cool projects, you know, give them some experiences and they move out. And that, that pipeline of people in and people out just continues to, to go. If you're not around the pipeline very much, you don't really think about it. Like I never did until this, you know, until this. And I don't know if you, did you have a, a sense of that before you were doing graduate program director things? Sense of like, what? Like that um that that the landscape of how people come into the university changes and what they're looking for changes and how they're shopping for courses and that their the website matters. Like I mean, intuitively you saying that it all makes sense, but it's not something that was ever in the forefront of my mind, right? Like people just yeah. come here and then they go.
0: Yeah, well, and mostly I've been focused on like okay, so how many people applied and how can we admit the best ones and and then how do we get the ones that are in the pipeline? Keep them from getting stuck in the pipeline and get them out the other end of yeah. the pipeline with a degree, and, and and that and that is important to me. And we've got we're getting some some tools. I've been learning about these things called that are apparently the new the new hotness called individual development plans that all graduate students need to do, where they have a plan for how they're going to develop themselves uh, professionally. So yeah, but I mean you know I look at this I'm looking at this EAB website and they uh, they talk about they have a, a student success management system which you know, it sounds like nonsense, right? Like, do you really need a student success management system? I'm not sure. But do I want my students in my program to succeed? Absolutely. I want them to succeed. I'm not sure I need a student success management system or I sure sure don't want to talk too much about my student success management system. I mostly just want to do things that enable my students to succeed. (laughs) Well, so without without having something which I call a student success management system.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Which which are fancy words for who knows who knows what that actually means in a daily or well even, it's 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 yeah. an enterprise level technology band for student success in higher education it brings I,
0: together students administrators advisors faculty and other staff in a collaborative network to work holistically to support students across the college journey you're probably learning all this kind
1: of stuff in leadership school i love all those words i love holistic <laughs> i love collaborative enterprise this is all this is all really good um can i can, so um, can I switch over to some food safety things here real please, quick? Please, you, let's, what, please, yeah, let's go
0: to food safety
1: things. Well, so one of the things that you mentioned in this uh, student success development plan um, is something I wanted, I, I guess I wanted to highlight. I read a paper or not a paper a report this week um, that I put into Dropbox that we will link to. I don't know where, where I found this. So I'll find you the link after I talk about it. But if you would go to... Um, Uh, the, the article, oh, that's the wrong, I'm looking at the wrong show, Don article that I put in, uh, that is impact of skills and education interventions on food safety outcomes. Um, it should be in your, in your, in your, I got it. Got it. So, so this was something that I think I saw this at food safety news Mm -hmm. or I got an email about, I don't know where, where I got this earlier this week, but it's a paper, it's a white paper. That, come, that came from RS Standards um, and, it's, uh, and I'll read from the, from the first page. Uh, RS Standards is at the forefront of chain standards, development and improvement framework, and is leading initiatives in sustainability, fisheries management, fishing and supply chain standards internationally with leading organizations. So there's a lot of good words there too, Don. A forefront, frameworks, initiatives, sustainability, all of it. Um, I don't know, I do, actually don't know um, who, who RS Standards are. Um, but this was written by Dr. Well, Alex. They're part of the Lloyd's Register Foundation. Well, they're probably, yeah, right. They were funded by Lloyd's Register. Oh, okay. Foundation. Yeah. So, so anyway, there's this paper, white paper, funded by Lloyd's Register Foundation on the impact of skills and education interventions on food safety outcomes. So, right at the top, this is like this is in my wheelhouse, right? Like Don, this is literally, I could this might collect my career, <laughs> right? right? Like, like this is kind of what I. i do so i was and it's there there's certainly a fisheries kind of slant to it but it's not it's about a whole bunch of different things that read read the read the paper there's you know basically they went through a bunch of different papers um different studies um gave some examples of food safety trainings um at different sizes of uh, of businesses all that it's great like it's it's cool um you know, where do people get trained? There's a really nice like figure two top 10 countries by publication in the area of food safety training education. This is on page uh, 23, Don, where it shows that the U.S. has the most uh, publications in the area of food safety training and education, monitoring and evaluation. Uh, great. Cool. I want to go down to what I took away. And and they, there isn't a whole lot of um. There's not a whole lot of meat or justification, but the conclusions I really, really agree with. So I don't want to take away from the paper because the paper itself, it, there's a lot of pictures and there's a lot of figures and tables um, that that collect a lot of useful stuff. I, I didn't see a lot of like commentary on it, but the conclusion. If you if you scroll down, down to page number forty, conclusion five, part five, conclusion. Um. Num- part, number two, I highlighted, and this is really great because it's something that I think we have talked about in the food safety education and behavior change landscape multiple times at IAFP, but I don't think it's resonated with the businesses or the service providers around food safety education. I'm just going to read the bullet or the you know, number two, because I think it is like spot on. So the, the question that they were to answer is, to what extent do these programs and its food safety training programs have a demonstrable impact on reducing foodborne illness and fatalities? And they are real blunt with this. Their answer is, evidence from the peer-reviewed literature linking food safety training to reductions in food safety incidents is non-existent. Yep. Yep. But like, And this is great. Like, this is the, most of the time, these reports have a lot of fluff. Right. Like they talk about, well, there's been demonstrable attitude change or we see, you know, multiple studies of demonstrated knowledge change, whatever. But they do not. They don't shy away from that. They just say it does not exist. And I and I'm in this world and I agree. We and very little. And so I'll I'll read the rest of it. This also reflects more more generally the lack of established food safety M&E frameworks globally, and I think ME has something to do with measurement and evaluation. Uh, a body of evidence that could be further explored is m d- data of internal training that may sit with, within businesses, and also which may sit within certification inspection bodies and third-party certification program audit reports. So that there are metrics out there, there are things that we can measure, there are things that my group and other, and I shouldn't, I, I, like there are other groups out there that are doing good work in this, but it's still few and far between. Um, you know, there are 10 or 15 groups internationally that are focused on measuring impacts of food safety interventions. And there are hundreds of groups internationally that are focused on the, you know, pathogenicity of E. coli 157H7, right? Like the scale of who's doing research in this area is is just limited. And, and so, but I, this is one of those, like, I read this um, i read this on friday and i was like okay I, I started constructing a tweet thread that that i hope maybe i'll send out later today just on this because i think this hits it. and and it what made me think of this was just the the changing nature of graduate schools and measurement and having a good sense of why people are coming and what they're doing and 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 it, it it's it's in so many different areas we we were you know and i'll, I'll rehash something that i think i've Said multiple times on this show and, and in other places, we're really good at making new things because we recognize that something new needs to be made. We're really terrible at evaluating whether those new things work, mm-hmm. and, and 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 certainly, and I like we have no real data that it impacts food safety incidents, um, and we need to do more of it. And I I'm glad people, more people are talking about it, but I I feel like we're we 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 still continue to not make a lot of um, progress in that area so, so yeah, what, are your, so what this, are your thoughts on my well rant? so
0: cu- cu- couple couple of thoughts uh, first of all uh there's contractors in the house um <laughs> and so the dogs are noisy although it's uh, the contractor that they like and so after their initial barking they've settled down um and the second point you should know is the contractor is an electrician so um, at some point uh, at some point uh, you may lose me um if he flips a switch so just fyi All right. um so uh, and the other thing I'll say, so it is a li- was a little bit hard to actually find a link to this document because yeah. it's got a lot of buzzwords in the title and it's relatively new and so there's a lot of buzzword pollution. But if you look for the exact title, I found a, a, a link on the uh, rlfoundation.org.uk website, which which can take which is a landing page which will take you to the PDF report. Um, but yeah, as you were talking. The other thing that occurred to me is like, it's one thing to have like peer reviewed science, but then there are programs out there um, to kind of do this sort of thing. And the one that immediately comes to mind for me is the EcoSure program, right? And I don't know how much you know about yeah. EcoSure, run by Ecolab, but they collect just, 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 just tons and tons of data. And the idea is that those data will help uh, brands manage their uh, public health, basically. So.
1: Right. Well, and so funny you should say that. Um, So um, because the world is so small um, in our in our world of uh, of food safety, Um, one of my former students and um, someone who worked for me for a long time, who, you know, Natalie Seymour, who was Mm -hmm. part of our food COVID net project, she left um, our group to go uh, and go work at Ecolab. She is now, and this is uh straight from her LinkedIn page, uh, food safety and audit development manager at Ecolab. Um, she as part of her, ma- well, really the focus of her master's work was working with Ecolab's, um, I don't know if it's the Ecoshare program, mm-hmm. but one of their audits that is for grocery stores, that might be something else. It's like eco, whatever. Um, of course our eco Lab friends will be screaming at the podcast if they're listening. It anyway. That, this was when um, uh, you know another friend of our of, of the show and of ours, Tom Ford, used to be at Eco Lab, is now at Compass Foods. He um, got this idea of, hey, we have a whole bunch of data. Could could someone look at it? Like, is it useful if we look at grocery store audits? Um, and and so we we actually. Um, did some analysis. Natalie did some work with uh, with a colleague of mine, Eric Labor, uh, and we presented it at IAFP uh, in probably like 2018 or something. I'll see if I can find an abstract on this, but essentially showing that, um, that there's, you know, there are trends. If you look across like millions of data points in, in audit results, there are trends. That are maybe ge- geographically trends based on, on auditor. Even though there's auditor standardization, there are certain you know certain auditors are looking for for things differently because it's a it's people, right? It's not it's right. not exactly the same. Um, but we never really got to the is there a difference between interventions that are being applied? Like we could look across different grocery store brands and see some differences, but but it was there are a lot of. Um, uh, confounding variables, yep. I guess, because yep, exactly. there, you know, there's lots of things that we couldn't control for. So I think that there's so, like as you said, I think there's something there. I think that the data exists, and I agree with um, what the authors say here is that looking at these internal data sets um, could could really tell us that things change over time or things change with with different interventions, and and we tried to like tried to go down that path um to do a little of that and then we you know I kind of think we we kind of ran out of steam of, uh, on it um as as happens right and there's only so many things that you you know that, that you end up focusing on um so anyway i'll link to that um that abstract yeah. and and i think that there's a manuscript somewhere um that exists uh that that probably needs to um to get presented somewhere. So, yeah. Sorry. I even ran out of steam on my, on my rant there.
0: Um, yeah, sorry. My wife is texting me about the, the contractor. So, well, that's okay. So I think we're good. Um, so yeah. And, you know, and this reminds me of a big data set that I'm analyzing. Um, well, a couple of different things. So a big data set that we're analyzing, uh, where we got a bunch of, uh, challenge studies, um, Uh, basically, uh, and then looking at like, okay, what factors in the formulation of these products influence the death of the organisms? And turns out we get models, we get regression models with incredibly high p-values, right, which means that, okay, there's definitely something here, but the R-squared values are not good, which means, okay, yeah, it's, we know about half of what's driving this and the other half we really don't know. And so we have highly predictive models, but that have wide uh, confidence intervals because there's other, there's other factors that we are somehow not, uh, not considering in all of that. And then the other thing too, that I've been thinking about in terms of this, this whole area is we, I uh, uh, dusted off a, a presentation that I gave recently, because I've got to, I'm gonna give it again on cooling, which is an area, a retail food safety area that we've had a lot of interest in. Um, uh, and and just trying to like figure out okay are there ways that we can improve cooling and are there some simple measures that we can adopt that will help us to do that and then how do we implement that and then what do we, what does it look like when we look at large data sets um, and it turns out yeah there's some things that are that do drive uh, risk um, you know actively monitoring the cooling uh, helps you manage that risk having food that's not in pans that are deep uh, helps you manage the risk and. I forget what the third one was, but but I mean there are we published a paper on it which we'll which we'll link to, but um but yeah, I mean, I love, I love this, this area of like, okay, so we know that something is not good is happening and we have a lot of data and then let's figure out how we can use that data to help people make better decisions. And, you know, it turns out like, it's not, it's not like just, it's not, it's not a one to one, you know, it's not always a perfect correlation. Oh, just do this thing. And then everything will be fine. I'm like, well, it doesn't work like that. Right. It's, it's right, actually, right. turns out Ben, I'm literally wearing my shirt, my shirt right now. It's complicated and it depends.
1: Nice. Uh, yeah, and and it's. And I, I think that what this report really highlights for me is that it's not. We have got to continue to chip away at it, right? Like like it's it is it is complicated. It depends. There's um we there's not a lot in the you know it, just put it back in the the framework of behavior and in reducing impact or reducing illnesses um, from training programs, it's, we need to, I guess, embrace the complicated and depends and try to uncomplicate it a little more. A little bit, Um, right. Yeah.
0: It will look like oh, as the third report. one third one is yeah. ventilation uh having uh, cooling foods that uh that are not properly ventilated uh that uh, is not good you need to have some and that's and that's a tricky one right because yeah. you want the food to be covered uh to keep contamination from getting in but you want the food to be uncovered so that the heat can escape and so you need some sort of a ventilation system that allows the evaporative cooling to happen, but at the same time um still allows the food to, you know, allows the food to not
1: become contaminated. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I I appreciate you indulging me on on oh yeah. About, yeah. Yeah, no um, good stuff. And this is, a, this is a really this
0: is a really nice article. And and you're right. Like the to, to have such a, I mean, it took them 40 pages to get there, but uh, yeah. to have a wonderful sentence like evidence from the peer reviewed literature, linking food safety training to reductions in food safety incidents is non-existent. Like that's worth the 40 pages, you know, it I is. wait 40 pages to find that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you
1: a little trick, Tom.
0: You do a Google search. Are you, no, are you I just,
1: searching I, the document? No, I, I just go. So this is, I think we, we, we might've talked a little bit about how I review papers uh-huh. uh, and I, you know, I often, you um, like I, I do the same thing when I'm reading papers where uh, I read the abstract. Right. And then I think, okay, how do they do this? So let me take a, just a pretty look at methods. What are, what, mm-hmm. what the, what do we got here? Oh, okay. Information gathering internet. search is good. What are your conclusions? And then mm-hmm. I go look at the bottom. And so I was like, Oh, okay all right how did you get to this number two so then I go back in the paper and try and find like really good support of it and it's not that that's what I was saying up front it's not super well justified there's lots of nice fancy pretty things in this paper um because it's not for me right it's not for the academic I, I think but um but but that's how I read that's how I read papers and I, I don't read them linearly oh i, of times. I, I I don't either. And
0: sometimes, uh, like, for example, a, a colleague of ours asked uh, us, he sent us a tweet and he said, hey, have you guys seen this? Or he said, thoughts. Um, and my response was, you mean, besides, I wish that I was as productive as the person that wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and then and then I proceeded to read it. And here's what I wrote. It's a very long paper. So I scroll through and I see how long is the paper, right? Like, is, uh, okay, yeah. how much is going to be? Uh, has a lot of references, this paper that we're talking about. Um, it only has one table. Well, if you only had one table, what did you need all those words for? Um, but, but, you know, and I didn't, I didn't read them, so I couldn't tell you, um, right, right. you know, do, yeah. is it a good topic? Do I wish I had written the paper? Sure, I'm always happy to have written another paper. Um, but th- then I went back and I read the abstract and I'm like, well, I wouldn't have said these things. There were a couple of sentences in the abstract, uh, like assure that employees practice frequent hand washing and avoid touching their faces and clean frequently touched surfaces. Those are good things, Ben. But that, that does not belong in the paper about COVID-19, because those things don't really drive COVID-19 risk, as far as we right. know. Right, um, right. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, so we'll link to that paper. Um, but uh, yeah, so and I, I what I didn't tell any of you guys uh, in the text thread, um, but what I will tell you right now, Ben, and no one else, um, I
1: did all that while I was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> oh, good, good for you. I do, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing more and more of that, Don, as I get older. Uh, More and more sitting on the toilet? All of it. More and more sitting on the toilet. More and more reading things on the toilet. It's a lot. It's a a good, quiet time when you need something to do. Sometimes I'm like, hey, like, cause you know, there's, there's things that are happening in my house, right? Like there's kids running around. Sometimes the neighbor kids are around. I'm like, hey, everybody out. Gotta, you know, daddy's going into his special little office here. Let's, Let's, let's give him a little a little time. And then uh, might might send a few emails from there. I might might even say things like, "Hey, are you still good to record a podcast at 8.30 tomorrow morning?" Sometimes, oh, sometimes. yes. Sometimes. Uh, so speak. So let let's let's switch a little bit, and mm-hmm. but stay with food safety because it is food safety talk. Stay with <laughs> food safety illnesses. Okay. But let's go to a, a much shorter, more concise paper that was published uh, a couple of weeks ago. By CDC in MMWR, and I don't have my MMWR mug here to be drinking out of. As I already mentioned, I'm drinking out of the self-heating Ember. But this is a paper um, that thanks for thanks to you for putting it into Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Decreased incidence of infections caused by pathogens transmitted through commonly uh, transmitted commonly through food during the COVID-19 pandemic. Foodborne diseases active surveillance network ten sites. 2017 to 2020 CDC red screen papers. Um, That's
0: not part of the title.
1: <laughs> it's not part of the title. You know, <laughs> they I put love that them. in, but then they made them take it out. Yeah. So, so here, well, let's do this as part of uh, ABC CDC CDC uh, plus? plus. Yeah. Um, this is okay. So this is FoodNet, um, basically updating 20 2020 data, um, and and they their summary because they follow this on their um, you know on on their papers and websites now. What is already known about this this topic before 2020? The incidence of infections transmitted commonly by food had not declined for many years, right? So they're not even that's just true. Sick. that's true. That's true, right? right? What's at it during 2020? Foodnet identified 26 percent fewer infections compared with the average annual number during 2017 to 19, including decreased infections associated with international travel. Great, right? Like d- data is good. Well, and um, let's
0: just let's just let's just stop for a minute. And, and think about what that sentence says and what that sentence does not say. Yes. Foodnet identified 26 fewer infections, right? 26% fewer infections. Yep. Yes. It doesn't say infections went down by 26%. It does not. All it says is that this system that has these attributes identified 26% fewer infections. In infections, right? And and again, this is, and again, we'll get to the, the the money shot sentence that I highlighted later. But but yeah, but I just I just want to kind of pre shadow that with that with that very careful and close reading. I mean, I, as somebody, and you you know this too, Ben. Like you use, I mean, it's it's one thing when you use words on a podcast. Sometimes you misspeak. Sometimes you say something that you didn't mean to say. Like you mean to say risky, and you said not risky or something like that. I don't know. I'm yeah, not familiar yeah. with this work, but um, but but as somebody who makes words and sentences for a living, I think very carefully about what it is that I say when I use words to say things, and that's a really interesting and nice
1: sentence. Yeah, hey, people on other podcasts say this, right? Don, <laughs> words matter, right? Words so matter. words matter. Um, it is, and and I look at you know we we know. Um, I, I, I look at the the author list here. And I, I can identify four, five, five people that I've interacted with that I know that that really, really get. Like I, another group of people that I trust that they are very intentional about the words that they use, right? It, it, it doesn't say FoodNet identified that foodborne illness has gone down. It doesn't say that. Right. It does, and, and in fact, if someone was, I, I'll, I'm gonna guess at this, but if someone was to ask those co-authors or a spokesperson most likely from CDC, what this means, it does not mean that at all. It means that the system identified less. Um so yeah, um so it's it's really I, I appreciate that 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 point. So um what are the implications uh, for public health practice? Well, uh, and again, I'll read directly from ABC, CDC plus and I'm gonna give them, I'm giving them an A plus on this, Don, I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of stuff here. Um, and and I'm, you'll, you'll see when we get to the money shot uh, sentence why I think it's an A plus again. But pandemic and resulting public health response present challenges to, ex- uh, to, to exp- uh, explaining changes in observed foodborne illness incidents. Continued surveillance might help elucidate the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on foodborne illness and identify strategies to decrease illnesses. Concerted efforts are needed to reduce the incidence of these infections from farm to processing plant to restaurants and homes. Consumers can reduce their risk of foodborne illness by following safe food handling and preparation recommendations. Good, okay. So here here we go. It says there are changes. We probably need to see more to see if there's really an impact of the pandemic. on foodborne illness and not on the data that is generated. But in the first paragraph, and I would say not buried because they didn't, it's, it is in the first, the opening paragraph, the, the item that you have highlighted um, that, that I will read now is the money shot. The extent to which these reductions reflect actual decreases in illnesses. Or decreases in case detection is unknown. They don't bury that at the end. That's right, not in discussion. Right. That is in the opening paragraph, and and that's you know that that's that's awesome. Like that's what we want CDC to be doing. That's what we want our colleagues to be um, to be doing in in the world of public health is saying here's what the data is here here are the limitations of it here's what we think it means here are all the uh, the the potential impacts it's people didn't go to the hospital as much people weren't eating food that was at restaurants much they didn't have international travel as much our public health infrastructure was overly taxed we might not have been able to investigate any of these people might have like there's all of those things that play into this and they hit it out of the park by saying we don't know. We don't know if this is actual decreases or if it's reporting or if it's limitations. This the, the data. The data are the data, and right. and here and, they are.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's really important. The other thing, and so I agree with all of what you said. And then one more thing: people are eating home more, and right. I suspect we have. Well, I know I don't. I don't. I don't suspect this. I know that we have really poor data on when people give themselves food poisoning, right? Like if I, I mean, we know that sometimes if you have an outbreak linked to campylobacter and chicken livers, right. That, that, uh, okay. A lot of those chicken livers are being prepared in the home, uh, right. They're not being prepared in restaurants. And so we know that, okay, those are incidents that were caused by the, you know, behavior in the home. But uh, often I would say foodborne disease that, that occurs in the home because of specific problems that, uh, you know, where, where people are mishandling food, you know, one-on-one or one-on, you know, four you know, family size scenario, those things don't rise to the level of detection in public health often. Right. And right. so we could be having the same amount with is this, you know, the food just, I mean, it's a little simplistic to say, oh, well, the food just moved from the restaurant to the home, because as we found out, that doesn't always happen because foods are packaged a certain way to go to restaurants and they're not packaged just the, the same way to go to homes. So you can't just move the food from one place to another uh, when people start eating less in one place and more in another. But, but I mean, you know, in a, in a general sense, uh, I think if, if food goes to the home, it's less likely and causes a, a disease, it's less likely for that to be picked
1: up. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's, so much wrapped up in what's happened over the last 18 months that it's it's we're, we're never going to be able to point to what the like five factors are or what certainly not the one or two factors but but it's all of it right like it's it's everything it's what you just highlighted it's what they talk about in um in the discussion you know they they the, um, the the they, the co-authors from CDC do a really good job. I'll, I'll highlight this section here. Findings in this report are subject to at least three, three limitations. First, the pandemic and corresponding public health response make explaining these changes in the observed incidence of in, infections challenging. Right? Like yeah. we don't know what this means. Second, well, cha- yeah, and I, and I'll just I'll I'll, I'll uh, do a callback
0: to uh, Food Safety Talk episode two hundred nine. Uh, Joe Exotic stimulus check, which has a wonderful, ah. wonderful show art, um, where we talk about, uh, and this was April twenty twenty, so early on in the pandemic, uh, where there's a, a a blip in the recalls, right, where there less foods are being recalled, and we talk on that show about what might be causing that, including the fact that maybe there's just less people paying attention
1: to recalls, right, 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 So yeah, yeah, um, oh, so many, yes. Um, so uh, the second thing they highlight changes in healthcare seeking behaviors and healthcare delivery yep. during the pandemic, likely limited ascertainment of cases as you, as you highlighted, right? Like right. there's there's a couple of, couple of things there. Finally sites reported decreases that varied over time in the willingness of ill persons to be interviewed and in staff member capacity to conduct case interviews. Yep. So yep. like it's a system, it, it's a, um, you know, three, three things um, are, The landscape of how we got food and where we went changed, Mm -hmm. where we prepared it, all of that changed. The second, whether people went to like went to hospitals could certainly be or just even to the doctor could certainly um, be impacted by um, the invitation to be around other people or to go where other people are sick with things that are transmissible through aerosols. Right, like don't go anywhere. And then, you know, thirdly, the system was taxed. Right, Right. yeah,
0: people people didn't necessarily want to talk to an epidemiologist and an epidemiologist didn't necessarily have the time to go and talk to people about foodborne disease because they're dealing with a pandemic.
1: Yeah, so-
0: Or it could also be, Ben, that everybody, because they were all obsessing about germs, they could also be
1: that we actually had an actual decrease. Right, right, yes it could it, like all of this is possible um it it's, uh what you just me, said made me think of something that i i like to i like to in my mind i remember this as the swedish food safety epidemiologists go on vacation all summer and they don't have foodborne <laughs> illness and i don't know like if i've got the country right if i've got if it's epidemiologists but you know that we've talked about this you know there's just you know there's no reporting in the summer because people are on vacation so foodborne illness is less in the summer right like like this isn't the first time we've seen or talked about something like that um this is not people were on vacation it was people were dealing with a pandemic and oh my gosh the public health system that had been underfunded for years and years and years now had to deal with something that was you know um Grossly more drastic and more taxing than anyone had planned for. What well, or maybe not anyone had planned for, but anyone had had actually dedicated the resources for. Um, so so anyway, I don't know. Do, do you, is my recollection correct? Do you remember if it's if it's Swedish foodborne epidemiology? I, I, I,
0: all all I can think of is uh the Muppet show uh Swedish Chef. <laughs> Yeah, well <laughs> you said Swedish and immediately my head went to that. Um, yeah. including apparently a link to a page that says is the Swedish Chef offensive. But we we I don't know if that's true or not, but we did uh, we we will link to the Wikipedia page for Swedish Chef. But I, I know what you mean. I do I do like to bitch about our year. it's 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 partly bitching and it's partly jealousy about our European colleagues that go on vacation for three months in this in the summer because it makes it really hard for those of us who are journal editors to get people to review manuscripts. And also for those of us that review manuscripts, we have to pick up the load for all those european slackers so but it's fine i'm 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 jealous i'm just i'm jealous that they go on vacation for so long but i'm also irritated but i don't i don't know i don't know if if the statement is true or not
1: yeah well they i I just found a a a paper from uh 2000 that shows that they had a drastic increase of uh um foodborne illness outbreaks uh from 1994 to 1997 just like everybody else in the world because we got better at finding things but i couldn't find any breakdown by month We'll so
0: even though they did go on vacation apparently it did not affect their ability
1: to do their job so less- well done sweet oh Roland Lindqvist, I know him He's yeah a nice yeah, man. yeah less 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 vacation in 1995 oh. I think is <laughs> <That's> what <laughs> happened Uh I we we uh we we love our Swedish listeners um <laughs> oh gosh uh we're gonna get canceled Don. um can, so Not from the Swedes, they're such nice people. It's true. It's true. They, um, th- there were. Oh, do you know? So, okay. Speaking of Sweden, so are you familiar mm-hmm. with a song called? Um, so I don't know. I, um, I don't know where I learned. Well, I know where I first heard this song. Um, it was uh on on radio this this will make sense in a second whoa i got really loud um it, it'll make sense in a second um i used to listen to this uh like alternative indie radio station uh in toronto and they used to do like club like they would have a dj on saturday nights they would broadcast live from from a club and they would just be like for four hours just like a mix of like you know stuff that I'd not heard before. Anyway, there's a song called Hobo Humpin' Slobo Babe by Whale um that I uh, that that you you may or may not have ever heard of. Uh but it it was a in high rotation on Saturday nights from uh 102.1 TFNY. and I um every once in a while like I, I have it on, you know, Apple Music and I listen to it and I was thinking about it earlier this week and so I found it uh, again, I had to search for it in iTunes or Apple Music or whatever it's called now, um, and then it came back as, "Oh, this is included in Swedish um, pop club songs of the 1990s." And so I just listened to that playlist for like 45 minutes last week, and there there were lovely Swedish pop songs in the clubs in the 1990s that I had never heard of before, but I I really enjoyed. It was but you, also- But you did
0: know Hobo Hump and Slobo Babe.
1: I did, I knew Hobo Hump and Slobo Babe from Whale, which is a great, I don't know what it means. It's and it's a really, it's an excellent song um, that that makes me think of my, uh, my my youth. Then I listened to 90s Club Essentials by Apple Music. Then I listened to Indie Disco. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, while I'm on disco, Don, did I tell wait, wait, you- wait. A- while, while we're
0: talking about songs with weird names, I can't uh, pass up the opportunity to once again, mention praising colon, Ensign and culso, oh, yes. which if you don't know about it, you should check out the link in the show notes because it is uh, quite a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, good, watch that entire video. Have you, did I talk to you about the BGs at all? Uh, <laughs> we, ever? Yeah, ever, have, today? We talked, have we talked about the the BGs?
0: Well, I don't, I don't know, but whenever I think of the BGS, I think of the amazing. Again, when we sort of dip back into pop culture again, whenever I think of the BGS, I think of the amazing um, movie uh, Mystery Men, uh, yeah. which is about a, a bunch of uh, superheroes, sort of silly, incompetent superheroes, um, which has a lot of mo- uh, music from that uh, that era when the BGS were big. But I, I don't know. Let's. So, what, what, Ben,
1: what would you like to say about the BGS? Well, what I'd like to say is that. Um, some some like internet rabbit hole of <laughs> um, of the Foo Fighters covering um, um, we should be dancing is that the name of the song? We should, yeah, I think so. Right, or you should be dancing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you know the you know the BG song about dancing. I, yes, I do. Uh, it is it is called You Should Be Dancing. Um, the Foo Fighters have an alter ego. Band called the DGs, where they put out an EP of BG's covers, including You Should Be Dancing. And I read an, an interview with Dave Grohl where he said they were inspired to do this because they watched an HBO documentary on the Bee Gees called How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? And then I put that in our HBO Max like playlist. And Danny and I watched this is a couple months ago now, Dawn. This might be the greatest music documentary I've ever watched. We were just so enthralled with this entire documentary. I can't recommend it enough. I don't. I am not a B.G.'s fan. I will. I, I'm not like I don't. I don't own. I'm not. I don't. I don't have any B.G. songs um, on my on my iPod or whatever it is that I my phone or my my music. Um, I watched this documentary from start to finish with no pause. And it was amazing. So I would recommend BG's "How Can You Mend a Broken Heart." Um, it, I, what? What it reminded me, or maybe not remind. Like there's a, there are dozens of BG songs that I didn't think were the BGs that I didn't think I knew, and it was just a fantastic documentary. So go, everybody should go watch this. You should be. I, on. Th- oh, this How seems like people who listen to the show probably know the show better than we do. Ah, uh, This seems vaguely familiar. Well, we might have talked about it. I'm just, I think we did. I good. We well, did. we'll find it in, in show notes and link to it later. Yeah. I can't, I can't,
0: I can't immediately find it. Um, uh, But, but yes. So if you haven't watched it, Don, you should go watch it. Come well, on. you know, here's the thing, Dan, as is, as is often let, the case on the know. show, I did let her know. I'm quite certain. I'm, and she was like, why'd you send this to me? I said, I thought you might like to watch it. You like the Bee Gees
1: oh there you go but she there wasn't any uptake so um you know okay i, I can only do so much i understand right, it's fine i'll send it to her again okay did ben really suggest this again Uh hey so can i tell you that you made me laugh with something that you put into show notes or not shown into the um <laughs> into the draw which you probably know what this is or maybe you put this in and not knowing what you're gonna say but the title of this file is new segment Don reads from IWasPoison.com, <laughs> and I cannot wait for this. So please, Don, um, tell me what your plans are for this new segment. Um, go ahead and 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 read from IWasPoison.com.
0: So I, a number of episodes ago, we started talking about IWasPoison.com, which is uh, made by a um, friend of the show whose name you'll tell me right now. Dr. Quaid. Um, Patrick Quaid, thank you. Um, and I started getting these and most of the time, honestly, Ben, I mostly just wanna go on the website and explain to these people what foodborne disease looks like, how their symptoms cannot possibly relate to the food that they ate or when they ate it, okay? But occasionally I see like one like this, Okay. And so I'll just read to you from the message. um, Important, if you ate Lucky Charms prior to experiencing illness, reply yes to this email. We have an update on your case. I don't know what that's about, okay? Yeah. Um, There's no link or anything. I'm tempted to reply yes, Yes, just to see what happens. Okay, but um, first incident, uh, United Airlines flight UA386 from Dubrovnik to Newark. uh, Reported date, September 26th. Symptoms, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, headache, blah, blah, blah. Wife and myself both experienced vomiting, nausea, chills, diarrhea, headache, body soreness after United Flight Airline, blah, 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 Dubrovnik to EWR. Her symptoms set in about four hours after landing, mine about 16 hours after landing. This could be illness from this flight, right? Um, So I just thought that was interesting. Um, Okay, next one. Aldi, New Jersey, 27, Edison, September 25th. Symptoms, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, fatigue, loss of appetite, ate their Mac salad. I guess that's macaroni salad around 12 p.m. and then hot dog bun and fries for dinner. Felt stuffy after the fries and la- fries and laid down. I'm not sure what that means, but okay, felt stuffy felt nauseous through the night. And then a smell triggered me at 5. AM projectile vomited in my bathroom sink and wet myself at the same time. I'm so sorry. Um, That could be uh, so vomiting, right? Uh, Vomiting uh, in response to eating a macaroni salad around 12 PM, that could actually be staphylococcal food poisoning. Um, Next one target veterans road, West Staten Island. Um, September 25th, symptoms, nausea. Cut up a pineapple a few days ago since two gnats, K-N-A-T-S, were flying on it. Uh, had it in fridge for five days. First time eating was fine, nothing in my stomach today. Had about six small pieces, felt so nauseous 20 minutes later, had to throw up. Mm. Don't that the that the symptomology and the timing the gnats is well and maybe yeah maybe the gnats but the problem is pineapple is so low ph it should not support the growth of staph okay but nothing in my stomach had six small pieces nauseous 20 minutes later that does really sound like staphylococcal food poisoning um you know had to throw up but it shouldn't have come from pineapple because pineapple should not the ph is far too low it's one of those foods that If you ever see it laying out, it's probably fine to eat no matter how long it's been laying out because the pH is just so low, right?
1: Right, right. Um,
0: uh, Next one, the Habitat Burger Grill, Morris Avenue, Union, New Jersey. Uh, Nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, got really sick two days ago after eating lettuce wrap burger from there. Almost went to the emergency that night and felt I almost died. So, So there we go. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, two days ago, well 2 days ago after eating at yeah, maybe not maybe the timeline is wrong on this but anyway i i just this particular um uh, email from iwaspoison.com i just felt like there were there were a number of these that were kind of right on the money or at least were not as far off and wrong as they most of the time are
1: yeah 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 totally well and i'm i i'm a i'm a big fan of um of uh i was poisoned in the in the crowdsourcing of this and i and of of foodborne illness if it it's this tool that that patrick developed that that we're we're still not exactly sure exactly like we in the food safety community exactly what to do with this like there's some signals right. here potentially and it's useful it's it's like what we were talking about before on um you know looking at, looking at models and l- different data sources like this, it's part of the picture. We just don't know how much it is and what to glean yet. From. Well, it's,
0: it's signal to noise, right? Yes. There is a lot of noise on this website, but there's probably some signal in here too. If only we could get, and again, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell Patrick how to run his business, but it would be so useful for people to say, well, here's where I ate and and here's what happened to me. Here's the time, but the and again, I'm sure if you put much more, if you put more restrictions on the input, you would get less output, right? The idea is you can just come in, and, and the first thing you do when you get to the web page, uh, let me get it to load again. No, oh, and it's not going to load again. But it just basically said, did you get, did you get sick? And yeah. then you click yes, and then it says, well, what did you eat, and where would you eat it, right? But it would be great to have like some way to kind of just do a little bit of quality control on this, and then to say, okay, well, you said you ate here, and then you had. Uh, diarrhea two hours later, it's probably not from what you had two hours ago. It's probably from what you had 24 to 48 hours ago. So why don't you give us a whole food history, (laughs) which people are not going to do. Like I get, I get why I get why that's, that's the case. But anyway, I just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just,
1: it's really interesting. So, so I've, I've, I'm, let's circle back to Lucky Charms. Sure. Because there's some, this is the this is the signal to, to noise ratio kind of thing so i sent you two links click on the reddit one this was something i think that patrick posted on um on reddit it was posted by i was Poison 11 days ago lucky charms food poisoning reports by month we are seeing an increase compared to their historical average anyone hmm. else fallen ill or have any ideas on what's happening here you can read some of the por- reports reports that i was tag lucky charms and so this is this is the like there's some sort of baseline, right? Around I was right. poison. We don't right. know what it is. Maybe people yeah. start thinking about it um, you know once a month, five, you know, five, five incidents a month in July. Then in August and September, you're looking at 20 plus cases. And there's some Yeah, that's like, a signal, right?
0: That's a change right. in the signal. And I would I would submit to you that that five cases a month from Lucky Charms is probably nonsense, right? Right, but, right. but to see that signal change. Well now I'm pretty sure that's that, that's an actual signal,
1: right? But is it yeah, now what's the signal of, right? Is it and and this you know ties back to our reported foodborne illnesses versus actual illnesses, right? Like is there something happening I'm I'm skeptical sometimes of these th- these these signals because is there something happening with this type of food in the Twitter or not Twitter, the TikTok mm. universe, right? Mm-hmm. Where where it's like you know I, I don't know if you've seen any of this um recently in the popular press but it's something that's cycled through schools both my kids schools over the last month where there were like TikTok challenges including like ripping soap dispensers off the walls and bathrooms at schools so much so that uh, all like every school in raleigh has had damage in their in their um restrooms mm-hmm. um so, and, and some of them like, like toilets have been ripped out and like it's, it, so, so there's some like undercurrent, it's not like all of a sudden, and I guess maybe this isn't the best analogy, but it's not like all of a sudden um, the, you know, we're getting, we got a notification from schools that um, soap dispensers are, are are faulty and they're falling off the, the wall, right? Like, like they're, they're being pulled off because of this community and on TikTok. That, that are right, encouraging us, right, right? right? So is there something about that we that, that we in the food safety world don't know about in the in the world of whatever social media? Like I would think that Lucky Charms Galactic Cereal is largely I'm I'm gonna make a guess and and no no shade, no lemonade to those who are gonna eat it. Um but largely kids like my kids' age are probably eating that, right? Like, so that would be probably the demographic that's on TikTok as well. There might be some sort of correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I mean,
0: but let's so, but this, if this is the case, like, and these, these are coming into, I was poisoned. Like let's, let's have some people, um, you know, use their phones to capture some, um, uh, product information, right? Like a a lot ID or something, a Best Buy date, right? Let's collect this information and see what's going on here. And these, you know, the other thing, I don't want to say the good thing about food poisoning from cereal, but you know, if you get sick from a product like cereal, it's a dry shelf stable product unless it was the last serving in the, in the box, you still got the box,
1: right? We could right. be testing this stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and so here's some other weird stuff on here um, that I think is really like, you know, interesting. Like, So some of these are coming from outside of the US, right? So two bowls of Lucky Charms with oatmeal, oat milk in Thetford, the UK. Lucky Charms in Caracas in Venezuela. Lucky Charms in Ergoldsbach, Bavaria, Germany. Um, Then certainly there's a bunch of US ones. There's Riverdale New Jersey from a month ago, Massachusetts, Madeira, California. Do you know, like, I I tried to find it. Do you think that there's like Lucky Charms in Venezuela or in Germany? Like, do you you know what I'm saying? Probably, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being like, I don't know if the same, yeah, we should, we should ask. We know some people at the, at that company that makes the Lucky Charms. Yeah. Um. And in fact, uh, I will. Uh, I'll send some of this info there way. Yeah. Um. But but there's something here, right? Like right. whether it's right. illness or not, it's right. something that well, the food industry needs to know about. Like because all of a sudden you're getting there, there's a internet discussion about illnesses associated with your your product. You should know about right. that. And it could be it could be that there is nothing going
0: on, but that people are seeing people talking about yes getting sick from eating lucky charms. And then people are getting sick from all the other things they get sick from. But now they also think, oh, but I had some lucky charms. Right. What? So and, and so it may be like false association in their mind. But boy, this just this sure does look like a signal to me. I mean, just look at the way the ramp up goes. I mean, the, nu- yeah. the numbers. I mean, but again, who knows? Like it could be that could be the way, you know, uh false news spreads as well. So yeah. Right, I don't right.
1: know. Well, and here's here here's a here's one, and again, I like what you what you suggested that like added information about send me a picture of the product. What are the block codes, right? Like that could right. help put this together. So here, here's one from a month ago. Um, the one in Riverdale, New Jersey. Is that in your your neck of the woods, Don? I mean, it's in your state. Uh, it's in my Riverdale state. Is.
0: I don't know where it is off the top of my head. Uh, I
1: will look. Exit seven. Uh, exit eleven. That's what I, that's all I can think about. In in. Uh, um, the New Jersey Parkway, and where people discover they live, right? Like uh, Morris County, so it's north, north of, north of me. Purchased mega size galactic Lucky Charms on August 30th, uh, 2021. Had a bowl that same day. Have had greenish, mucousy diarrhea and an upset stomach ever since. Lucky Charms are a regular cereal in our home, and this has never happened before. Also, noticed that the oat part of the cereal was not as crisp as it usually is, nor did it taste the same. Something is wrong with this cereal. So, Hey. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the whether it's real or, or not is something to, you know, to to be investigated, right? Um. And yeah. Uh. It's really yeah. It's really 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 interesting. It's a it's a it's a gluten free. Do you know that?
0: Oh, because it's made from oats. Yes.
1: So it's oats huh. and marshmallows. Huh. How about that? Mm. There you go. Um, So uh, yeah, or at least that's according to something you can buy in Germany. I tried to find it uh, desertcart.de. Can I get Lucky Charms? Apparently you can.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I remember seeing, I think this was from when I was in Brazil. There was a, I think it was Brazil, but maybe it was some other country, but where you, it's like a little shop where you just get stuff from America, from yeah. the US, and and they import it specifically for Americans who are missing their Lucky Charms or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: missing my Lucky Charms. <laughs> 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 that, that was from the commercial, right? Yes, it's good. Okay. It's good. Yeah, ah, of- they're always after me, Lucky Charms. They're. Always- <laughs>
0: Talk about offensive! Oh. Swedish
1: Chef is offensive, but boy, that leprechaun—he is so offensive. We're getting, we're getting canceled, Don. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. So yeah. Thanks. So we will we will continue this this new we did we did ABC CDC plus. Uh, oh, did you give? Did, just going back to what did you think about uh, CDC's uh, communication? So we can circle that. Oh, I think it was great. I think it was, I think it was
0: really good. I'm a little disappointed at the way other people were looking at it. Right. Um, And saying, Oh, well, look, this is like, no, no, no. Like you have to look at it a little bit more carefully. You you can't, uh, you can't just conclude that you can't like CDC uh, basically got it right in their communication. Other people in, in tweeting about it or posting about it, I think did not um, did, did not do the due diligence and care with the words that CDC did. So. But no, overall,
1: very, very happy with with what CDC did there. Yeah. So what what would you what grade would you would you give them? Because I think oh, that's I, I, that's would, part of the
0: I c- would I would I would give it an A plus. Yeah.
1: All right, A plus. There's two A pluses. I, that is, um, can, thank you. Because I did not have my bell here at home. Don, we that is the first time that we have provided uh, A pluses. Um, and I, I'm not tracking it. I'm sure some of our listeners are on a spreadsheet, but I cannot remember us giving two A pluses in ABC CDC plus or ABC, CFIA, CDC plus, or ABC, FDA, CDC plus.
0: ABC yeah. d, 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 yes.
1: d minus. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Good. All right. So um, where, where we got, we got other stuff to go. So someone sent us a message um, just to highlight, this is regards to risky or not, which is this is the place we do feedback on risky or not. Um, Don, I uh, just want to let you know, um, uh, the whole discussion on Risky or Not 202, which was about sending <laughs> uh, alcohol infused with things in the mail, it's moot. Uh, and this is probably 100th person to tell us this um, because the domestic mail manual article 422-11, Male Ability of Intoxicating Liquors. Um, it, so it's a, there's a law, federal law to ship other carriers. You need a state issued license, liquor license to produce or resell liquor. I'm sure your listeners would rather not need their local ATF agent. So, um, and thank you. And I, what,
0: what, what show was that mentioned on? Uh,
1: risky, or not two, was mentioned? risky or not risky
0: 202. Risky or not 202. Um, huh. You know, I, I think I'm think, I was thinking of a different show called um, Is this legal or not? This is legal or the domestic mail manual article by article hashtag. That's a different show. I think it's a different show. A That's different a, show. not the show that we're doing here or there, right? Right. Hey, and, and but hey, you know, if somebody if somebody wants to do a podcast on whether some can I mail it or not.com. You know, that would be great. Someone should do that show.
1: Legal or not, I'm going to I'm going to get <laughs> one of my favorite trolls on Facebook for someone who I'm no longer friends with or follow uh-huh. um, ever. And so no, no names. Uh, you know, so the the you know, what, what is what does Merlin say? Never give the Internet a puzzle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> says the
0: man who gives the internet puzzled all the time, all the time. Yes.
1: yeah so so i i had a um a, a colleague who we don't see eye to eye politically um and and over the last uh, uh presidential past presidential administration there are a lot of posts on this facebook page that um that i it just got tiresome so i i no longer uh i'm uh, am, am friends with this person who's in the food safety world um Anyway, I think
0: the same person I unfriended and then I felt sad for him. So I refriended him, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't I don't get his posts anymore because uh, he, I just don't like them. And so uh, Facebook has really you know, people love to bash Facebook, um, which apparently stopped working earlier this week. Um, and I didn't notice it because I'm really not ever on it that much. Um, but I, I don't see people I don't like because somehow I am able to like turn them off. So, yeah. Well,
1: true, true. So. Um, anyway, he, he, yep. this individual posted, um, pictures of visiting a, 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 bar somewhere where it was, uh, what you should, he, this is, so let me set the stage. This person was very much into, um, posting messages on Facebook for a long time that included the term law and order, no matter what was happening. He was, he, he's very much into law and order, meaning th- this podcast of, is it legal or not would be right in his wheelhouse. Yes. Yes. Um, on what I on his Facebook page, he visited some sort of establishment somewhere where you you needed to, to like not needed to, but but as you were paying, you were you were to use currency from a different country because I think this is a not in the US. and you were to sign it, put your name on it and it would get posted on the wall. So, so essentially defacing um, legal tender um, in the US. And Don, um, that is um, a, a, again under Section three thirty three of the U.S. Criminal Code. Any anyone whoever mutilates, cuts to faces, disfigures, or perforates, or unites, or cements together, or does anything to any bank bill, draft, note, or other evidence of debt issued by any national banking association, Federal Reserve, or the Reserve System, it's it's a, it's a, it's illegal. You can't you can't do it. Um, they, they shall be fined under this title or in prison, no more than six months. or we're both that is in the, um, 18, uh, USC section 33. Um, so I, that's all I posted was that, that section. And I just said, law and order to troll him. And, uh, he deleted my comment. Uh, So every every time I think of, (laughs) is it legal or not? I think of the podcast that we don't do. And I think of law and order and that. Well,
0: while, while you were, while you were chatting then, um, uh, I went to get my wallet, and uh, I'm going to do a little bit of I'm going to do a little bit of uh, Foley here for you. Okay.
1: Oh no, Don! Did you what? Did you break the? You could get thir- six months, no more than six months in prison for that. If if you do no did. less.
0: No less. <laughs> That's where I'm going to finally get to rewatch The Wire.
1: Uh, for you, maybe we'll watch. Saving that for prison. Oh gosh. All right. All right. Moving on from uh Is It Legal or Not podcast, which is the one that we don't do. Um and see raw milk Amsterdam, right? That's a lot that kind of what we, we're all about, is it's risky or not and food safety things. So yes. speaking of of something else, uh, we did talk about this in uh I think it was episode 245. Um uh, this is uh Am I the Asshole? Uh oh podcast. yes, A-I-T-A. A- I- T- uh, for faking food poisoning to teach my boyfriend the lesson. There has been a follow-up. So let me let me go back to this. This was an AITI that um, that came to us from multiple different places. Essentially, um, the um, so uh, the, the poster who is a 26-year-old female has a boyfriend who's a 28-year-old male. Um, they cook together. She, uh, she writes that he is very bad at cross-contamination um, or very good at it, I guess it depends on your perspective, but he's he's good at cross-contaminating things, uh, he Uses the same cutting board uh, for mu- multiple things. The example, um, last Friday, uh, he used ch- uh, the same knife and cutting board that he used to chop the raw pork to chop up onions and radishes. I could literally see red splotches. So she highlighted this, he flipped out. It's not like chicken. Um, and she said, so what, it's still raw meat. Um, I'll, eat, I'll, I'll let you eat, or all no, she said, I'll eat your tainted effing produce, which is great. Um, he stormed off into the bedroom. She did not eat it, but then faked eating it. Um, but then she said, uh, she uh, faked being ill and hung out in bed watching Netflix, um, while she was supposed to go to a congratulatory dinner for her boyfriend, uh, from her from his parents because he got a new job anyway. Um, she, she writes, she felt guilty about missing this dinner since it was important to him. Um, but she was also at her wits end and she's tried to talk about contamination, uh, with him so many times. And so she was trying to teach him a lesson anyway, turns out and the double turns out to this dawn <laughs> is, is pretty, pretty fantastic because the update is she writes, I re- received quite a few messages re- regarding this post. So many of you suggested I purchase color-coded knives and cutting boards. So I have a serious discussion about it, about the subject. Okay, great. Things I've done in the past. Um, so she, she did this, but um, the same, <laughs> this is the best. So um, he promised that he would be more careful. And then the next afternoon I put, he put, I saw him putting a cutting board away without washing it, having chopped, raw chicken on it this obviously bothered me but i decided decli- decided to not say anything since we were fresh out of conflict which is a really nice term um that same night i took him out for a nice dinner in a way to make up for missing the one at his parents house we had a lovely time um he and things seemed to be on the mend for a few hours later that night however he developed terrible food poisoning and to make matters worse he was supposed to start his new job remember the previous post where it was a congratulatory um uh dinner but he was supposed to start the new job he blamed her the poster for it because she thought he thought the food at the restaurant was which is what made him sick i told him i didn't see how it could have been that because we shared dishes and he felt fine The following day his mother called and let us know that she had just taking his dad to the hospital. Apparently he had been feeling super unwell and assumed it was related to chronic disease he'd had for a few years. He ended up needing multiple blood transfusions in his tests, and found none other than E. coli in his urine. And the days followed, my bu- my boyfriend continued to miss work and I discovered about half the people that attended his celebration dinner the weekend before ended up sick. Bunch of other stuff happened. Um, it, you know, here's Here's, I guess, the cherry on top of this post on. If you hadn't guessed already, my boyfriend got fired from his job because he had never worked a single day there, but was out with food poisoning. I guess showing up without, uh, I with, guess not showing up during your first week isn't good luck. Um, on the bright side, he has shown a sudden and intense interest in kitchen hygiene. Apparently, getting sick himself and having his dad end up in the hospital is what it took. <laughs> I don't know if this is the, the the writing of a great sitcom. I'm not sure. It seems very tidy, but there, this is certainly a, a you know a, a, a turns out or a double turns out in this um, AITI post. I, I feel like I've been on a roller coaster by reading this. Um, I, 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 you know, I I hope I hope more people pay attention to food safety as a result of this. I don't know. I don't know where to go. Yeah, I I you know well I I, I did respond. Um, this person is definitely
0: not the a hole. Uh, I mean, no, 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 no. This is a person that honestly, I think uh, she's too good for him. Right. Like she should just dump him. Right. Because this is a good, a good, caring person who wants to do things right. And the boyfriend sounds like the a-hole for sure. Um but yeah, this is this was really good, and I wonder. I hope it's not made up. I hope it's actually real. I mean, it certainly seems pause, plausible, and it certainly seems like it could be real. But uh, but yeah, this this is great, and thank you so much to everybody. I mean, you know, the uh, Marie shared it with us and said, "I'm sorry, if I'm the 647th person to alert you." Uh, I think Marie was only the second person, um, and the one that I saved it when I got it in Twitter. So sometimes it's good to be the second person because then I know it's a trend. Um, Yeah. But so thanks to Marie for, for sending it to us and, and yeah. And thanks to the original poster uh, for the, for the message. uh, And, and yeah, this was great. I mean, then again, any, like you said, man, anything that makes anybody more aware of food safety, I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, there's tons of comments and posters on this, you know, it's been liked over 3000 times, lots of retweets. So it's getting the food safety message out there, but yeah, it was good. It's fun stuff. Not fun for them it, you know, at all. but, um, but yeah well and it's too, and I'm, I feel bad for the dad because uh, it sounds like he almost died. Yeah, yeah. but That's not
0: like flu poison can be serious business.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, we, we, we hit all of the things that we had in, in the in the show uh, Dropbox um, for feedback and, and other things. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Sure. That, like that I had on my list. Okay. So, so a couple of weeks ago I was in, um, I, I was involved in a, um, a, a, a meeting that Afi put on, uh, the food safety forum and this food safety forum was all about listeria. And so we'll send you a link to the, um, the agenda on this. Um, I want like I kind of want to talk a little bit about this because you and I have talked um, in a, a variety of different fora. no no pun intended or call out, but um, about zero tolerance and, mm-hmm. and sort of things that problems that arise from zero tolerance from listeria. But this th- something made me think of this, which was um, a, a recall of um, uh, kale. That was due to Listeria yep. monocytogenes. So this goes back a couple of weeks, but it was Baker Farms recalls various brand name of kale due to Listeria mon- monocytogenes contamination. Um, a whole bunch of one pound bags of kale and, um, Uh, Listeria is an organism. This is directly from the recall announcement that's on FDA's website. Um, And I wanna note again, just for clarification that that FDA doesn't write these. It says right at the start, this is a company announcement. So Baker Farms is recalling um, their Baker Farms, Kroger and SEG grocers brand names of kale, one pound plastic bags um, due to contamination with Listeria monocytogenes. Uh, This is an organism that causes serious, sometimes fatal infections. Um, On uh, September 15th, the firm was notified by a customer that the product tested positive for Listeria monocytogenes. The products were distributed between August 30th and August 1st. These products were packaged in clear plastic bags. No illnesses have been reported. Here are some pictures of it. Um, These are the, the lock codes. You know, uh, consumers who have purchased these products are urged not to consume these products, but return them to the place product pro- uh, purchase for a full re- refund, um, or they may discard the the products. So, you know, you know, good good sort of communication um, aspect to this. And this one hit right around. I think the, the Food Safety Forum was actually the day after or the day before that I saw this um, this announcement. And so I just, I wanted to get into a little bit of a discussion with you because I, this is one where I don't want us to, if there's Listeria monocytogenes in a product like kale, fresh kale, where people, I think, consume it raw, it certainly, like other leafy greens, can sit in refrigerators for some time without having, really like distinct quality changes and i can speak on this from my experience i mentioned in previous podcasts episode that i've been eating a lot of like frozen then reheated then refrozen berries um in smoothies with uh almond milk and then leafy greens either um, spinach or kale and and so i i can tell you i've got in, in my fridge right now, I've got spinach for sure that is has been at 39 degrees because that's what my fridge temp is set at um, in, in product that it's been there for uh, like three and a half, four weeks and it is not brown. Like I'm taking a handful of spinach out from these one pound bags uh, every couple of days and there's no, it's not slimy. And I've had kale do the same thing. So I think like in this case, I think a recall on this product it is warranted, but it's it really complicated in this zero, like it, it, in this zero tolerance world around frozen and fresh and leafy greens. Like it's not all, it's not all, we can't look at all foods all exactly the same. And I don't know, I don't have a good answer for this um, one. So anyway, I just want, I want you to like sort of lay out your thoughts around zero tolerance and, in. In foods around *Listeria monocytogenes*, and where, where, what are our answers on this? Or where do you think we need to go?
0: Oh, you might be on mute. Sorry about that. Yes. Uh, my, my opinion is that we should have a non-zero tolerance on foods that don't support the growth of the organism, right? Yeah. And so for sure, that means a non-zero tolerance on frozen foods, uh, because frozen foods do not support the growth of wisteria. So I think that would make our... <clears throat> Our friends in Afy very happy um, if we if they got that right, and I think there would be a there would be a net public health benefit um, if we had a non-zero tolerance in those situations. Um, it also means that that processed food manufacturers could formulate foods to show that the for refrigerated foods they could formulate refrigerated foods such that listeria did not grow. Um, and that would give them uh, a benefit. And we sort of we sort of don't really talk so much about listeria in processed meat products anymore because USDA has changed the rules not not in a zero tolerance way, uh, not in a non-zero tolerance way, but in a way that basically incentivizes food processed meat companies to do the right thing, um, and that has done uh, I think a world of good in terms of re- reducing the the E. coli recalls and outbreaks from processed meat products. With kale, it's a little bit different. And while you, were, while you were talking and while I was on mute, I was doing a Google Scholar search to see if anybody had looked at the growth of listeria on kale. And the, the answer is no. People have looked at my, antimicrobial interventions for listeria on kale, but no, no work on growth on, on kale. There's, there's tons of models out there for listeria growth on leafy greens. But where I think it is interesting is this whole area of listeria growth on fresh produce anyway. And again, I'll use this as an opportunity to talk about the work that that my graduate student Marina Gerval did with data collected in Laura Strawn's lab, looking at situations where listeria does grow and doesn't grow depending upon the inoculation method, whether you use a wet method or a dry method. And there's still just a lot that we don't under, and we got ongoing research in my lab right now, um, looking at this. And so the, this whole idea of under what conditions does Listeria grow in fresh produce? How do we design experiments to um, reflect those conditions? I mean, if you take uh, kale and you grind it up into like a kale mush, I, I bet that you get Listeria growth in that. Um, it's an entirely different question to ask. Well, what if I put, listeria on a leaf of intact kale. Okay. And then what about that messy middle where I put listeria onto processed kale that maybe has been beat up a little bit and some of the leaves are damaged and it's in a sealed bag where there's the the relative humidity is high in there. Um, What does that do? And the answer to all of those questions is we don't know. But my suspicion is that this would not be a food that does not support the growth. In other words, to take out the double negative, this would be a food that supports the growth of listeria and therefore a recall would be warranted. Now, that's a separate question from what is the risk? I would say the risk is minimal, Um but if you're going to eat that kale without cooking it, um, it's a non—it's a non-zero risk. I mean, again, and you know, I mean, there are no illnesses reported to date. So, so it's probably just a one-off. There probably never will be any illnesses reported. There may or may not be illnesses. I suspect that there's probably not illnesses, but that—that's only a probably. Um,
1: yeah. So that's uh, yeah. That's that's my my two cents on that. Well, and and I I agree. I think this is one where. It is. This whole conversation is really pretty like complicated, right? So, so the, you know zero. And I, I appreciate your your comment of like zero tolerance for listeria in specific foods that don't support the growth of listeria. Frozen foods, I, I like agree with fall into that category. And I would add, and that are not handled in a way commonly that would then allow them to support the growth. Like, like, and so we don't have a whole lot of you know examples of this. Um, but but something like, and this is something that I know the, that that Affie or friends at Affie have been really focused on in, in retail, the the process of slacking frozen vegetables on buffet tables or on steam tables, where instead of a cook step that's happening, um, that that they are um, you know, maybe just added frozen into a salad and then kept at room temperature for a while that could allow growth at that at that time, or just put on a bu- you know buffet to allow to to melt, and and so that's the like that's the really hard part about this. Uh, but I one thing that that you that I I want to highlight, and this is something that you've talked about and and, and certainly came up in the AFI um, uh, sponsored listeria forum that I, I could not agree with more is that what. What zero tolerance does is it provides a disincentive for companies to look for it. Because if you find it with zero tolerance, it results in a in, in a, a big financial problem. And so since you're not required to look for it, then why would you if you if the if the risk becomes really low? So it pushes the looking for it onto supply or onto buyers. Um, but it, it kind of breaks a little bit of the system and the tools that if we had the ability to have some tolerance in frozen foods. We would look for it more because we're not we're not penalized. And I think that that's a really hard sell. I think about this like I got an email about this from um, from a friend who who remain nameless from the, the, the perspective of the challenges from a consumer group standpoint. And like full disclosure, like I I'm the chair of the board of directors for Stop Foodborne, it's a consumer advocacy group, and I think this is a really like the, on the surface if you kind of say oh people aren't testing for listeria because the consequence of testing for listeria in these types of foods is is high so they don't do it it's a hard sell to say well if we allow them to have a tolerance then they would test more right like like to get behind that policy change i think it's it is i think it's difficult to explain that to those who are outside the food safety world and i i don't have my hands around it yet on right. how to best how to best do that um
0: well i I think that the answer is you have to ask people what they would do and if people from the food industry say hell yeah i would test more right and you've got to believe them and got to give them that that opportunity it's a it's a yeah i mean it's uh it's it's a tricky it's a tricky it's a tricky business but i mean it's good that we're talking about it and this looks like a great uh uh meeting like this, this, uh, this meeting that you went back to back in mid September, we'll link to the, we'll link to the webpage about it, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great bunch of folks, um, doing, doing like, you know, good stuff. It's got, it's got, it's got members of our committee that we wrote the the food control article. It's got, you know, the, the highest level food safety people from USDA and FDA on the panel. It's got our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Garrett, Dr. Don Garren from, from AFI, uh, the executive vice president for science and policy, um, and just a bunch of really smart, uh, folks.
1: Yeah, it was, it was good. We, uh, it was really good discussions and, um, and it was a, it was a, it was a place where we could get these conversations out there. Yep. Um, you know, before, before we, we kind of sign off, one of the things that I focused on was, you know, the, the idea about policy changes around labeling and consumer messaging. Cause that's the area that I, I focus mm-hmm. in and, and really it's from the work that we've, that we've done labeling, it's not magic, right? Like it's, it's not, if, if we, it's so much more and all-encompassing it goes back to what we talked about before on the um, the, the evaluation of food safety programs and interventions. Um, if we want people to change their behaviors, we can't trust that getting the right label is going to do it or getting the right message on a label. it is it, it's it, it's messages all throughout um, different places. it's it's making it so it is, societally acceptable and wanted that you're handling these foods in a way that will reduce the likelihood of listeria um, illness, whether that's cook, cooking instructions, whether that's storage and handling instructions, whether that's slacking instructions. It's not just about the instructions, it's, it's getting it into the the vernacular, which is a societal change that doesn't like, we can't do it in a year. We can't do it in 10 years it takes a long time to, to do that and it's frustrating i think for folks who are outside of the the intervention and communication world to get that like it's not about just reformulation it's it's changing how people handle food and how they think about it and where they see it and what's acceptable in their homes and what's acceptable as as an employee and and it's it it's not it's not impossible it's just it's not fast right, um right yeah so so anyway um, hey, I think one of us has a has an, a hard out at some point, um, so we should probably call it a show.
0: Yes, I think we should.
1: Uh, yeah. So I, you know, awkwardly. Um, bye. This has been another
0: episode. Of, oh wait, that's the other one. Never mind. One. Uh, this is the one where we just say goodbye.
1: Okay. <laughs> bye, bye, on, bye, 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 Bye-bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's still recording which is always good let us take a look at two weeks from this time frame i'm accepting things that have been placed on my calendar the 18th is out uh in case you're worried about it um let's look at oh i just froze my calendar there we go um i could do the night, Tuesday, the 19th at 2 p.m. I, should... I could not. I've okay. got a, I've
0: got a, th- so those three days are the FDA e-commerce summit. Oh yeah.
1: That's the, in 19, 20, 21st, right? Yeah. that
0: Yeah. Yeah. But prior to that, I had already agreed to give a guest lecture in an undergrad class at three. So I would skip out, um, but I would have, but I could only record for an hour. Because I, I would, I've already committed to skipping out on the e-commerce session for an hour because I've got to give that lecture. But, but if I, but if I recorded with you at two, I could only go for an hour.
1: Okay. What if? What if we did? Um. Next, I got like, department head boot camp and stuff. Um new
0: appointment oh i know what that is that's
1: we have the state fair next week and it's a bit of a mess well so, you know
0: we could just we could just let it roll for three weeks we like could just
1: you know yeah because yeah
0: oh and then that week is not good either because i got the challenge study workshop
1: yeah i got some stuff going on um what if we did on the 21st that that e-commerce meeting, is that all day or is yeah. it just the morning? Okay.
0: I don't know because FDA has not published the schedule yet. Oh,
1: of course. And Fridays are not fantastic for you.
0: Well, Friday mornings, if I don't have a faculty meeting, it's, I can do it.
1: Right? Okay, like well- I could,
0: do, I could do, I could do Friday. It, it just, it kills my Friday morning, but that's why yeah. I could do Friday, October 22nd.
1: Yep, me uh, too. At,
0: like 10 o'clock?
1: Sure, yeah, I can do, I've, um, I've got, I have a hard out at, at noon, but I've everything else that's on my calendar is movable.
0: Okay. So we I could do nine, I could do ten. Yep. You tell Let's me. do
1: nine. Let's okay. do nine. Busy, it's busy times right now. Oh I don't know how them. I got so busy. Yeah.
0: Okay, that'll be 248. I mean, I do okay. know how like, I said yes to do things. That's yeah, I mean. we say the
1: yes to things. I'm saying no to more things. Um you, sh- but,
0: you should as department chair.
1: Yeah, but then there, th- but guess what? Uh turns out there are things that I don't get to say no to now. Oh, yes, this is true. <laughs> yeah. This, this so Yeah. 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 There's so I so I say no to the things that I can say no to more than yep. I did before. You have to, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So the 22nd, 9 a.m. gold. That is in the it's in the calendar. Um all right, cool. I'm going to, I gotta, I gotta go have a shower. Cause I, I don't need to, I don't need to dress up for you, Don, but for leadership camp, I need to make you sure have I have a shower, put on a clean shirt. Gonna, well, I don't know if I am gonna put on, I, I might just put on a dirty shirt, but, uh, but it'll be a different shirt. They can't I, tell. I know when I, be, I, I'm, I go to leadership camp, like camp, I go with a t-shirt. So, um, I wore I camp actually, with the t-shirt you have, not the t-shirt you want. That's right. Right. I, you, uh, uh, fake it till you make it. Uh, so, so I, I came to camp with my, uh, we do our best not to dither shirt yesterday. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, today I'm, I'm wearing a shirt that I like to wear that is long sleeve when it's cool in the mornings. And it is a, uh, bike Arkansas t-shirt. Cause when you think of Arkansas, you think of mountain biking, right? Or at least I do. I, I do now. Yeah. yeah. So the bike Arkansas, there's a lot of stuff on it. It's good. It's very comfy. So, all right. I think that's a go. I will. Right. And look, my, can I? I, I'm happy to report that although my voice is not at 100, it's very it's close. Definitely,
0: it's better. It's oh, definitely better. Yeah.
1: This, the not so silent reflux. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm now a week into my uh, um, reflux treatment, and it's mm-hmm. like I'm not waking up all cloudy and foggy anymore. It's amazing. So I'm so, I'm so glad. That's me too. I'm use. glad it's solved. Like it's. I'm glad I didn't damage my vocal cords. It was just yes. the constant hitting of my vocal cords with. with With terrible Um, uh, stomach acid. So Um, cool. Okay. I will talk to you later. All right. Bye bye. Bye.